you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What unusual talents do you have? Anybody here can, can curl their tongue? What about can you touch your, your nose with your tongue? Anyone can do that? I can't do that. That's a good one. Alright. Anybody double jointed? Double jointed people. Double jointed? You can do like the whole freaky finger thing, you know, and you're like, right? Anyone like that? You went uh, pat head, rub belly at the same time. Good. I always like pat, but I pat in a circle. Good. Like that. Yeah. Here's my, here's my, my, my trick. Um, when I do bio camp, it, it wows the kids every single time. Are you ready for it? I have a freckle on my eyeball. I see. It's right here. That's pretty cool, huh? It's right here. I have a freckle on my eyeball. Nice, huh? That's cool, right? Yeah. And as special guests, what else can what can you do that's unique, that's special, and that that just entertains or maybe helps? What do you do? How are you gifted? What about this? Can can you pour perfume on someone and dry it with your hair? I can't. I can't do that. Maybe if I did this, you know, maybe then I could do it. That's what happens to Jesus in our text for today. So he has already raised Lazarus from the dead, and this town, this small little town called Bethany, about six miles from Jerusalem, but it's on the other side of the, the Mount of Olives. So you got a bit of a hike up and then back down again. Little tiny town. They're having a dinner in Jesus' honor. And Martha is there, and she's helping serve, because that's what Martha does, Right? And Lazarus is there and having the best meal of his life, you know, because he's not dead anymore. And Mary's there. And she decides that she is going to show Jesus an incredible amount of devotion and love. And it sounds weird to our culture today, but in their culture, it was quite an honoring thing that she did. She takes some perfume and she anoints Jesus which is something that you would do to special guests in that day and age. But she doesn't just anoint his head. She does head and feet as well. Now that part was unusual. Because uh, you may recall when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, what a humbling, humiliating act of service that was. Because no one, no one had Nikes back in those days. Everyone had sandals, right? And so you'd walk to someone's house. And you'd walk on the trail to someone's house. And it was the same trail that every person used and every animal used. You know those trails. <laughs> the ones you're like stepping over things, you know? And sometimes you miss and you don't step over something. You step right in it. Yeah, those trails. And so when you got to someone's house, if they had a servant, the lowest servant would wash your feet. And here's Mary, Jesus' close friend, and she's washing his feet with perfume, drying it with her hair. In other words, she's saying, Jesus, I love you, and I will follow you. 
the text tells us that the perfume was so expensive it was worth about a year's worth of wages. Approximately. It's quite a gift. It's quite an act of devotion and love and commitment. Judas is upset by this for a couple of reasons. He says we could sell it, give the money to the poor, but he also liked to pocket a few of it himself. And Jesus says, no, this will be told in honor of her. She's preparing me for my burial. In other words, she's preparing me for the time when I will show an incredible act of commitment and devotion and love to her and the whole world. It's a special gift. And a special gift requires a special type of commitment. I'm not quite sure, but I think in America today, commitment is a four-letter word. We, we don't like commitment that much in America today. Because instinctively we know that commitment means the loss of a couple values that we, particularly as Americans, hold near and dear to our hearts. Because commitment means a loss of freedom and independence. And we are the land of the free and the home of the... There you go. Thank you very much, right? And every type of commitment means a loss of that. It just does. If you say to me, I'll pick you up at 8. That is a commitment. It's a promise made. I'll pick you up at 8. It's not a huge commitment. It's not a large promise. But it's a commitment and a promise nonetheless. Now what that means is, you can't be there by 9. Because you promised to be there by 8. It means you, you, you can't not pick me up at all. Because what we hate more than commitment as Americans is someone who breaks a commitment. That's what we really hate. And so there is a loss of freedom for you. You've lost the freedom to not show up at all. You've lost the freedom to show up a little bit late, like 9. Because you said you'd be there by 8. You made a promise. You made a commitment. And the larger the commitment, the larger the loss of freedom and independence. Which is why I think sometimes commitments are hard. It's hard to make a commitment. Because instinctively we know we'll lose some freedom. And what happens is something better comes along and I want to break this commitment. We don't want to do that, and we don't want to lose our freedom, and so we just kind of don't make commitments. And we know that breaking a commitment is wrong. Everyone knows that. Breaking a promise is not right. Because every commitment, every commitment made, every promise given, has the capacity to create faith. So, for example, if you say, I'll pick you up by eight, that's a, a commitment, a promise made. And then I have the faith that that will actually happen. And so I get myself ready, and I'm ready by 8 o'clock. How many of you have that friend who's habitually late? Right? And they say, I'll, I'll be there by such and such time, and you don't even bother getting ready because you know they're going to be at least 15, 20 minutes late. Right? And then they show up at that time, and they're offended that you're not ready. You know that friend? Yeah, you got that friend, right? Every promise made, every commitment given, has the capacity to create faith. 
And you say you'll be there by 8, and I have faith that you will, and I get myself ready by 8. The larger the commitment, the larger the promise made, the larger the capacity for the faith it generates. So you'll be there by 8, that's, that's a small commitment, it's a small amount of faith. But what if someone says, I love you? That's a huge commitment. It's a huge promise. It's, required, it's a commitment that has the capacity to create a large faith. Just think back at the time I, I told my bride, I love you, and I am committed to you. Now imagine if she had said, she did, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, Heather. Right. Imagine if she had said, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, wait a minute, it's not the response I was looking for, right? Because a commitment given, a promise made, has the capacity to create a faith. A faith that says, you know what, I believe that you love me. And not only that, I'll respond with a commitment in kind. I love you, too. Every commitment given has a capacity to create faith and demands a like commitment. It requires a response. It's a yes or no. It's an in or an out. If someone says, I love you, you can't say, oh, that's nice. It just doesn't work like that. You might say, I need some more time, right? You do that for five years, it's no good. You say, you know what, I love you too. Or, I'm very sorry, but this isn't going to work out, right? It requires a yes or a no. An in or an out. And there might be a middle ground for a period of time, but it can't last indefinitely. This commitment has a capacity to create faith and generate a likewise commitment. Now here's a commitment. Here's a promise given. Best one ever. Jesus said to Nicodemus and to you, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Now that, my friends, is a commitment. That, my friends, is a promise made to you. And any commitment given, any promise made, has the capacity to create and generate faith. And it demands a response. See, when Jesus says, I love you and I died and rose for you, the response can't be, oh, well, that's nice. Oh, isn't that lovely? It can't be. The response to Jesus can't be, you know, Jesus, I think you're a really great guy and a great example. Because that's, that's not the commitment he made. That's not the promise he gave. The promise Jesus gave to you is not, you can 
act like me, and you can be a really good guy too. Those weren't the terms. What he said was, you're a sinner, and you need a savior, and that's me. Yes or no? You in or you out? And for some of you here, you're like, I'm not sure. And that's just fine. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're here. You're just kind of checking things out. It's awesome. I pray you continue to do that. Do your research. Read your Bible. Spend some time in prayer. Ask questions and say, Jesus, who are you really? And can I trust you? Is that a commitment worthy of faith on your part? And and I pray you believe it is. I pray God leads you to that point. But what you can't say is, Jesus, thanks for that promise you gave to me, and I will think about it until I die. For the next next 20 years, Lord, I'm just going to think about that. I'm going to say, maybe. can't say that. This is not the type of commitment he gave to you. It's not the promise he made to you. Imagine someone saying to you, I love you. And for 30 years you said, ah, that's nice. I'm going to give you a maybe. (sighs) Jesus has given you an incredible commitment. And a phenomenal promise. It's a promise to be your savior. It's a promise to be uh, your friend. It's a promise to give you a hope and a purpose to save you from all things so that even in the face of death itself, you may have no fear. For he is with you. That, my friends, is a commitment. A promise. Jesus invites you to respond. And for some of you today, that response is, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. And I'm not even sure what that means yet, (laughs) but I'm going to learn. And for some others of you here, that commitment was made for you in your baptism, and you've been walking in that promise all your life. And you're exploring what that means on a daily basis. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Because sometimes we, we think it means, you know, this. And, and, and following is a little bit more than just, you know, a like on Facebook or a follow on Twitter, right? <laughs> to follow Jesus is, is, is more. So what does that look like? Well, it could look like this. I want to invite you to pull out these cards. They're in your bullet. They're commitment cards. And they have a, a number of ways, a number of different ways that we follow Jesus. It's not all of them. It's just a, some of them. 
You might call it the low-hanging fruit ones and go, oh, this, okay, this one makes sense, this one makes sense, this one makes sense. But there's lots of different ways. And so if, if you live anywhere in this area and you call Gracious Savior your home, we'd love you to, to fill this out and even to turn it in. Except that that's a commitment. And if you don't live in this area, go ahead and take this home and say, well, what does this mean where at the church home that, that, that God has placed me in? It talks about praying for the ministry here at Gracious Savior. But you're just going to say, you know, I'm going to pray for the ministry here. I'll do that. I can do that. And mark that down. It might be participating in a, a small group or community group, as I like the term. Saying, yeah, I'll be a part of one of those groups, whether it's a women's group or after church or Bible walkers. Well, be active. Because it's good to be in relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Because God's called us to walk together. And attending worship. Say, I'm going to be regular in worship. And for that, that means a certain amount of times a month. For some of you, you own a small business and your winters and summers are booked. So for some of you, you might be shoulder seasons, I'm here every Sunday. You know, and then you average it out for the rest of the year. You know, it, it's just the world we live in. It makes sense. It's okay. But what does that mean for you? For some of you, it's, it's actually serving in a ministry. And there's some of the ministries we have here at Gracious Savior. Or it might be one that you start on your own and you just write it in. Some of you is going to be participating in the Head, Heart, and Hands Leadership Program. You're going to make that two-year commitment for the whole thing. Some of you are like, your head's just exploded. Two-year commitment? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is the mountains. You're insane. We don't do that around here. <laughs> Try it out. And for some of you, it means giving financially. And for some of you here, it just means saying, I'm going to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, I'd love it if you'd like to write that on the back and sign your name. And give it to one of the ushers, you can hand it to me. We're not going to have an altar call here, because we don't do that. But maybe we should. But what I'd love to do is just to pray. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, thank you for your commitment to us. Thank you for the promise you've given. It's, it's, um, it's a promise with implications. It's a promise that, uh, that if we receive, we are acknowledging that we are sinners. And not people who've made some mistakes. Lord, because we all make mistakes or accidents, Lord. We're talking about we are sinners, we are rebellion against you, God, and we deserve your punishment. But for your sake, Jesus, cling to your cross. We receive your sacrifice, your forgiveness. 
And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who's, who's hearing this, this commitment you've given Jesus, this promise you've made, and is moved by your spirit to place their lives in your hands, to follow you as Lord and as Savior, they might make that commitment in their hearts right now. That they might pray, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying and rising for me. I receive your forgiveness and your grace. And I will follow you. Lord, there's others here, Lord, who've been following you for, for some time. But not really following, it's more like dating. Lord, I pray that they take that next step. Using the, the gifts that you have given them to follow you. Even if it's as simple as long hair. But Lord, whatever act of devotion, whether it's being in your word, this pray, Lord, whether it's being in one of our community groups, Lord, serving here or somewhere else, Lord God, that they would take that next step today and make a commitment. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, others here have been following you and using their gifts and excited to do so, Lord, I pray that they just renew that commitment to you in light of your commitment to us, Lord God. Lord, may it never be out of guilt or feeling bad. Because when that happens, Lord, we just have to stop and take a break. May it always be just out of joy because of your incredible love. Lord Jesus, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your commitment. We love you. Amen. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song here. Thank <laughs> you.